This is Four Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. Maybe more. It has no real-time limits making their way into your ears. First, from a place called Garniston, he is the Pyramid. It's going to be the funniest podcast out there because that's what I'm all about, baby. The comedy and the money. And his partner, Fela Tapender Stevenson. For Mexico City to Beef Community Center, I've got stories that are going to blow your mind. It's time, folks. It's the moment you've been waiting for. Another podcast. The world's premier wrestling podcast, the new number one, the outsider underground champion, <laughs> Wrestling Daft, with me, Rob Florence, and my co-host here, the great Gredo. The Stevie's the dream for the top end. And this is a, that you know, this is the only wrestling podcast out there that is presented by a couple of bona fide celebrities. Aye. Scottish celebrities. Couple of legends. Aye, you're on a telly? I'm on a telly. Bonderson, the greatest sketch show Ever made. Yes, I would agree from, with that. Apart from the other well, ones. And Grado, you've been all the world, mate. You've wrestled oh, the great and the good. You've done seen. it all. And also, two doors down, Aye. Scott Squad. This guy's a comedy legend in his own right, and he's also a wrestler. The lucky <sighs> bastard. I know. Tell me about it. I'm like the Scottish version of The Rock. But as I always say, how many episodes of River City has The Rock been in? Nain, mate. Nain, mate. Nain, mate. Nain. <laughs> he's the only guy that hasn't been on River <laughs> City. So, wrestling daft. No, for people listening who might not be into wrestling, right? Don't you, you don't need to worry, right? You're going to easy in. Uh. You're going to easy in. All you need to know is this, and this is also for the wrestling fans out there. All you need to know is this: that this first episode of Wrestling Daft isn't launching like all oh, the other wrestling podcasts out there. You know, oh, we'll give you a rundown of what happened on the wrestling on uh, Monday night. Uh. Oh, we'll tell you what we thought of this match. He's happened at the NXT tapings. Oh, oh, I think that booking, that booking was great. Was it fucking uh. shop? We are launching. We are launching. We are launching. We are an interview. Aye. We're a man himself. Kind and of listen, that's a nice swerve here. Nice swerve here. This is about as big as it gets. He is. The champion. The champion. He is the champion of the coolest wrestling company in the world right now. AEW. He is. Apart from Grado's big family wrestling oh, bash. Come on now, Grado. Come on. He is the one and only Chris Jericho cool. on our fucking show, ah! on our first episode. Can you believe it, mate? I can't believe it. He's a wee boy, that wee boy that grew up up there in the three tunes. Up in the three tunes. Can, just... can you believe it? One day he would be interviewing Chris Jericho. I don't know. I met him once. I met him once. I met right, him tell once us about how you met him. met him once Orlando. There was a, uh, a rapper. What do you call him? He's always at WrestleMania weekend. A rapper? Aye. His name is... Jay-Z. What? No, 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 no. He's, he's a big, he's a mega wrestling fan. Begins with a W. Um, we'll get it. Wiley. No, no. <laughs> Will Smith. No. Wiz Khalifa. No. Uh, fucking. Wank X. He hold on WrestleMania. We Wally Rap Man. Wally. I met him. It was a Who? Wally. His name is Wally. No Wally. 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 Like I'm a walk to see Wally. Your, your false teeth. <laughs> aye, aye, your like a <laughs> Why is a fucking why is a rapper calling his cell name and his cell after your granny's <laughs> false teeth? 
What's that? Name, Wally. But all the boys love him. All the boys. So, so what happens is everyone wrestles me on a weekend. He puts on a gig and all the troops get to go there. And I was there, me and GB swaggered up, stunning at the boozer with uh, Y2J self, man. He's like, Gredo, how's it going? How's it you? How's your cell, uh, Jericho? Meltzer walks by. Meltzer's like, Gredo, you... Wait a minute. Are you saying that Jericho came up to you and said hello? It wasn't you that went up to Jericho and said hello? I tell a lie, I said hello. <laughs> But come on, do you know what I mean? I was, I was, I was typical wrestler part of there, and it's fun at Runoni. I was, I was, I was half blue tart as we GB. I went, Mon, 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 because up. I'm like, how you doing, mate? And he's like, hey, Greta, what's going on? And ever since then, mate, we've kept in touch. Right, now I'm looking out for the non-wrestling fans out there or the people who are just casually into wrestling, right? And here's what I'm saying. This guy's saying JB here. I'm going to guess <laughs> that by JB, you mean Jeremy Borash? Aye. Aye. He was in WCW. He was in TNA for umpteen years and now he's running NXT. Talented guy. He was involved in uh, Matt Hardy's whole thing. He was, he? A, aye, he was a guy that started all that shit in, the, the, in, in Matt Hardy's ranch, the... What do you call it? The broken Matt Hardy? Oh, he was a... We've had Jericho on our show. We'll get Matt on the show. Well, we've not had him on yet. <laughs> but aye, I love professional wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. I think wrestling, obviously comedy's my game, mainly, right? Mm-hmm. Comedy's my game. But I think wrestling and comedy are closely linked. Do you know well, what I mean? Right. I, think they're clo- I think the worlds are dead, dead similar. They're about timing. They're about connecting with an audience. You need to connect with an audience and they're really kind of... Well, Rob, Rob I, you know, I did pantomime for three months and I swear to God, every time when I did pantomime, I come away learning stuff that I've learned for pantomime that I can put in the ring. And at the same token, when I'm doing pantomime, there's stuff that I've learned for the wrestling, timing, facials, stuff like that, Aye. that I can implement into the panto. So it's It's a bit it's weird when you start similar. flinging out sweeties and all that to the people <laughs> around side. You've pinned the kick out of two and fling a fucking fruit salad sweetie <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, funnily enough, one of the shows we've done at the Pavilion in May, I cut a promo. Sha was in, uh, you know, how the, the, the Royal Boxes. One Royal Box was Sha. You need to explain to people who Sha is, by the way. Oh, so Sha Samuels is the East End Butcher. He's one of the most underrated wrestlers in, in the world. He's, he's a... Typical old school heel. He's a, and he's he's been, a proper British wrestler. And you he? need to see his promos. His promos are great. He's just he's just like a, a, a character for like a football factory or something like that. Aye. So he was in one royal box. I was in the other <laughs> royal box. And we were both cutting promos to one another. And it was brilliant. And mentioning sweeties, I remembered because of the pantomime. I mean, what would be good was I got the old fanny bag out. Uh-huh. And when I was cutting the promo, I said, Shah Samuels, you're getting a paste in the night. You're getting a rolling slice. Does everybody agree? Well, Unzip the bum bag. There you go. There a horrible. There a horrible. There a fruit parcel. Thanks, kiddies. See you later. Beautiful. Yeah. And that, listen, that's why I love wrestling as well because it's wrestling's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like a mad world. And even hearing you, hearing you just talk like you're talking about, and this is what you'll you'll notice on this podcast. You're listening to this podcast. You'll notice this that you've got a guy here who's going to start talking about people, names, things that have happened, mad stories. You don't, I think you don't even realise now, now you're in that world, because you're in that world, you're part of that fraternity now, right. you're in that world, you don't realise how bananas it is man, when you're somebody on the outside that's looking at it, you're like this is crazy, this I mean, world, uh, or do you still feel, do you still get that hind, do you still kind of go, man this, being in this wrestling world is just amazing and insane, I, do you still feel that? Well do you know what, it does blow my mind, uh, you know I mean, like, I mean everywhere I go, I mean I was in the booze on Friday night, you ever met Stone Cold? You met Sting? Oh, can you get me Kurt Angle's autograph? But at the same token, I must admit, I done WrestleCon two years ago, right? Aye. Uh, in Orlando, and I was just sitting there. The Boogeyman walks by, D'Lo Brown walks by. And do you know that way, Rob, I'm sitting there going, 
God, this is no phasing me anymore. And it kind of... I, I, so it wasn't phasing me? Aye, so it was like, like... Aye, and I was like, God, if this was a couple of years ago, I'd have been fucking sitting there with an absolute hard-on. But, but it's because you belong now, you know what I mean? It's because you're in there now. So do you know of anybody in the comedy scene that, you know, if you met them, you'd, you'd, you'd be starstruck? Do you mark out for anybody? I don't know. I don't. I don't really think so. I don't really think so. Even like big names like Billy Conley and stuff like that. Somebody Have you ever met him? To, somebody says to me the other day about um, Billy Conley, uh, like something to do with like the lift sketch or something that maybe he'd seen it or something like that. I can't remember. It was mm-hmm. something like that. And even that just kind of washed off me, man. It just kind of bounced off me. I was just kind of like, oh, that's nice, kind of. But that's, that's you know, that's me. You know what amazes me? Things like when you see a squirrel coming out in autumn time and it's collecting all the wee nuts, not that you know what I mean? Right. That's what amazes me. You think I'm going to go up to that squirrel and go like that? Oh, uh, would you, have you met Stone Cold? I'll fucking ask a squirrel if he's met Stone Cold. Why would I cheapen it? I'm only fucking cheapening that moment by doing that. What is the chances of a fucking squirrel meeting Stone Cold anyway? Do you know what I mean? But I'm talking about I wonder this. About the, 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 I wonder how the, the squirrel population feel about the Wednesday night walls. Let's ask them. Producer John, could you put yeah, a, a tweet to the fucking squirrel social network and find out who their favourite Promotion uh, is, didn't do it? Do they like Darby Allen? <laughs> or do they prefer Big Walter? Folks, this is wrestling Dapper. Big, a... Big Walter is a fucking bananas oh, name, in it, for a wrestler? It's it? a great name, but isn't it? Big, Big Walter. 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 But when you think of Walter, you think of... I played a Walter in Burniston. Aye, what was the Walter character again? It was the fucking guy in the ice cream van. So every time I see Walter, and people talk about Walter, I always oh, think Walter about... Oh, Walter was it? Walter! Walter. My mammy did the man, you hang you. I want to wrestle that guy anyway. Aye. I want to wrestle him. Oh, Walter was a great character. Did Walter know eventually his ice cream van ended up... Uh, That's from the show uh, Burniston that you can catch aye, on, on Netflix. Netflix, which he gets fed 50p for every couple of months. Um, is that no the one and end up the ice cream van ended up into the water, down in Largs? I did. So Walter died. So Walter died? But I would love to get Walter on this show, and I swear to you, right, see if I get Walter on this show... What, right, big Walter for NXT big or Walter for your show? No, big Walter for NXT, aye. right? If I get him on this show, right, as a mm-hmm. guest... All day, Walter, out of Burnless, and I'll interview him as Walter. Oh, that be would like, be great. Do you like Jules Holland? Anyway, Nora, you are a big anyway. 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 That was it, anyway. Right, listen. Why do you love wrestling, Grado? Um, Tell the audience out there. Why do, why you do I love wrestling? wrestling, man? As soon as I seen The Rock come on the telly when I was 12 year old, swaggering down to the, the ring with $600 shirt, raises his eyebrows, cool music, and I just thought, that is the guy that is the guy and ever since then I've been absolutely hooked on it mate I'm passionate I love sleep and I breathe it I love it I'm wrestling daft mate and I'm the same I'm wrestling daft as well just to give you a bit of background everybody that's listening I, I used to do um, years I've always been trying to get wrestling on the telly right I've always been trying obviously I've been superseded now everybody's just went and ran mate. they've just forgotten me and left me behind mate right? Mm-hmm. Right, but I've always been trying to get wrestling on the telly and we met at a company called SWA Scottish Wrestling Alliance and that was where we met and you were in a tag team called the Lowlanders the Lowlanders I was called time. Grant Dunbar. And you were only called Grant Dunbar because you were tagging with a guy called Glenn, Glenn Dunbar, Dunbar, right? <laughs> that was it. Yeah, right. And you were supposed to be his brother. You looked nothing like, nothing each, like other. each other. Nothing like each other. No. But I'll tell you, I mean, you were talented right for, right for that point. Well, do you know what? I don't know about that. As you I had say, the passion. You right, had the passion. Always, the passion was there. I've always had the passion. I say, it's my first training session, one of my first training sessions when I was 14 year old in a post office in East Kilbride was one of my first training sessions. And it was took... You say took, taken, Aye, take it. taken, took it by none other than Jake Snake Roberts. The bold, Jake, hold the on, the bold Jake Snake Roberts himself. Aye, was in a post office in East Kilbride, they put, they put mats down, and he trained, it was me and about 20 other guys, it was me, Red Lightning was there, Mark Dallas was there, Drew Galley was there, I was there, uh, 
Jake the Snake sat there, he went through a multi-pack of Mars bars, a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels. He sat there, told stories all day, and he says, there's only one guy in this group that's going to make it. Only one person that's going to make it. No, Drew. Drew Galloway. Drew. Oh, he was right. Right. He was right. Well, he's nah, he's all made it, mate. Uh, done he's well. all made it. But can I tell you about the best The best part about that day was, although Jake the Snake was sitting there with his belly out and all that, tanning Mars bars, I got him a wee quiet bit and I went, I goes... I pulled him aside. I goes, I goes, Jake, mate. All right, Jake. I goes, Jake. How do you, how do you, how do you throw a what punch? And he went and fucking jabbed me in the chin, mate. Jake. Holy he gave me a what punch, man. It felt you can feel oh. a hang, mate. I was fourteen year old and I got punched in a post office Nisco Bride after Jake Snake Roberts. I must have felt like heaven, mate. No many people can say that. So you learned how to do a what punch after Jake Snake Roberts? Well, can I you, can you do one to me or no? Uh, I'll work punch on me right now. Right, oh, he's going there. Right, come in. Right, so I'll just stay completely still. Oh, that, oh my, oi! Gredo just punched. Oh, I tell you, I remember that time I was in a podcast studio and I says to Gredo, will you show me how to do a work punch? And he came here and he fucking punched me. Anyway, were you working this weekend? Aye, mate, I had a double shot. I was in Germany on Saturday night and then last night I was in Longbenton. And how did you do? Did you win? Uh, Germany, I got bet. Uh, and long betting last night, I got bet. I know I done the J-O-B to a guy called Mickey the Dragon. Just explain to anybody the J-O-B, the job. What does that mean, Gray? He beat me. He beat me one, two, three. Fucking. But you know what? It was, uh, you know, I'm happy to put other guys over, you know what I mean? And who was the guy you wrestled in Germany? Oh, here we oh, are. Eh, no, one of them was in was in the Cruiserweight Classic, Tristan, Tristan Archer, ah. and another French guy with a moustache, I can't remember, and a tag team with a guy called Carlston, who had a Baywatch gimmick, and it was good. And again, I got to, to say my, my, my line that I always say in Germany, I always, any time there's a wee rest hold, I always just shout, Ich habe einen Bruder, einer Schwester! What does that mean? I have a brother and a sister. And it's true, that's a true story. Well, I do have a brother and a sister, I. So you're just giving them some info? I'm just giving them some information. And it's just like when I was a fan, when I was a young boy, I went to see a wrestling in Barhead, and there was a German wrestling in the ring, and it was a quiet point, and I shouted, Ich habe einen Bruder, einer Schwester! <laughs> and the German wrestler looked at it and went, what the fuck? And I'm just thinking, if I was a wrestler in Germany, and I'm sitting there where somebody's got wrestled, and if a German cunt stood up and shouted, I've got a brother and a sister! <laughs> I would have. You, so that's, all, that's still all you know in German? Uh, no, I actually cut a hard on wait there. Because I says to myself, because why do you always say you have a brother and a sister? I goes, well, fucking give me something else, then I'll say it. So, in my promo, I you said... Need to be careful with that, mate. I said, Ich wollte schon immer zum Oktoberfest. Das ist das beste Fest. Alles Ende ist es scheißen. Right, Oktoberfest is the best festival. Something Aye. else is shite. Aye, that's what, what I said. So, because the show was called Oktoberfest, right? Right, right, right. So, I think I said, I think that's meant to say something like, I'm so glad I'm finally on Oktoberfest. This is the best Oktoberfest. The rest are shite. Oh, man, that's amazing. So, way. I didn't even know pop. I could understand German. That's amazing. I could How be, the hell did you pick that? I could be doing I'm these, thinking, uh, is your Mrs. German? Brexit she's not German. My Mrs. is German. No, she's no, not. But you, she's for you um, right, I want to move on to the next segment. No, I need to keep a, some kind of air of respectability on this show. I know yep. we're a wee bit half cut and all that, right? But mm. we're going to move on to the next segment like it's a real podcast. Right, let's do it. This is the bit the advert would come in. Now, when I've got a wrestling shot in Glasgow, whenever I'm finished, I'm always choking for a munch. And one of the best places I like to go in town is the German Donna Kebab place. I'm telling you, these kebabs are different the way it's packed in together. 
Oh, it's so juicy, so scrumptious. I love it. It doesn't go on my face. Everything is all packed in. You can ask for extra jalapenos. It's got that cheese sauce, kind of cheese sauce that you get when you go to the pictures, that kind of fake cheesy sauce. I love that. They can stuff that in there. Get your body down to German Donner Kebab. It's a party in your mouth. Ha! You're on, Vita. So, we wanted to put a wee segment in our show and tribute to our first guest, our inaugural guest on Wrestling Daft, Chris Jericho. So, we're going to do a thing called the List of Wrestling Daft. We're going to make some lists in mm-hmm. every episode, right? And tribute to the big man. But also, just because everybody on the internet loves a list, don't they? We're right. cynical. We want to make money. We want to make paper out of this show. Correct. Am I right? That's what Aye. it's all about, mate. You start saying shit that makes it into a catchphrase and then you buy the shirts. Exactly, and that's, that's the spirit of wrestling, isn't it? Isn't it? What, We're what, all carny motherfuckers. What does Dusty Rhodes always say? Where's the money? You know? So here's where the money... What? No. Here's where the money... <laughs> here's where the money's coming from. You're going to offer me some money there. I was like... Were you asking if I was going to get paid for this show? What are you getting for this? I'm, I'm not discussing that. Oh, and I'm getting a fuck. I'm getting a fortune for this, by the way. Me slumming it in the podcast world. You bet. I'm getting paid a fortune, I'm mate. no... You're not getting paid no. a fortune. Who are you getting? You just don't know what a fortune Who's is. Just, <laughs> you used to work for TNA when they were giving out the $5 million contract. I, I, once got a t- I once got a check for TNA that was written out in pen. I think it down to the Halifax Bank of Scotland and Salkitz and the moment went, <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking that. It's fucking written in pen. That's what they've done. Did you, did, you sign a con- did you actually sign a physical contract for TNA? I was, I was on a monthly wage and I signed in the January. I don't think I get paid till like, the August. Oh, jeez. Oh. You just made the list! Right, for this segment, we have been engaging with the audience out there. We've been engaging with the fans, right? Because we're engaging with the fans because we like to make money out of them, right? That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. And we've been asking, That's the, terrible we've way been to asking talk. the fans what their favourite... Come on, it's a wrestling show. Yeah. We've been asking the fans uh, what their favourite faction is, their favourite wrestling faction is, right? And this is the list of wrestling daft, and this is my list of my three favourite factions of all time. Before we go to what the... What the Fans think, can dafties think, right? <laughs> I'll tell you first of all what I think, right? I'm going to go three, two, one, a list of three, three, down to one, right? Go. In third place, that's going to blow your mind here, you're going to be surprised here by this. Right, go. Right to censor. Today, the light shines brighter than ever on each and every one of you. Now, what's he talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, isn't it a blessing when the lost find their way home? Oh, right to censor. See, when you were a wee guy, 12-year-old, and somebody's about to get their doors out, somebody's about to get put through a table. Am I right, mate? Wee, 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 wee. It busted you. Am I right? But you were obviously a couple of years older, and you thought that was, oh, I see what they done there. That was intelligent. Well, well, no, but, Whereas but still, I was raging. I love a heel to be a heel. Right, mm-hmm. I want a heel to be. I don't want a heel going out there getting cheered. Right, no. I like a heel when they're a proper heel. Stevie and White tell you, people hated right to oh, censor. Oh, they really man. did. People, it got to the juicy bit, and then mm-hmm. and out they came, spoiled everything. People hated them, man. We'll never forget the fucking week that the Godfather turned to the Good Father. Oh, how heartbreaking yeah. was that? How, yeah, how heartbreaking was that? You've met him, that? right? You've met him. Aye, aye. Like? He right? He's brand new. He's brand new. Do you know what? He was um, He was on a show I was on in Preston and his luggage got lost coming from America, right? right. So, do you know? So, yeah, he was make, obviously... He he did, so, know what they done? <laughs> the promoter <laughs> got a trainee to go to the joke shop to get a pimp suit full of a Halloween <laughs> costume, right? <laughs> so they got they got him to fucking with the tiniest wee shitey hat 
uh, this pure crap. You can spit through this velvet uh, jacket to do the pimp. I think in the end up, he just came out with a, a, a Preston City Wrestling Some t-shirt. Aye, and um, there's this amazing gift because what the promoter also done was he hired lap dancers for the nightclub uh, next door they were used as the Godfather's aye, hose. Aye. So there's this amazing gif of me standing there with the Godfather's hose and it's me and the Godfather with all these uh, uh, lap dancers for a nightclub in Preston. Fucking, that is what dreams are made of. Great times. That's why we love wrestling. Mm-hmm. Man. That's, that's madness, isn't it? Aye. That's madness. A beautiful thing. Right to censor, number three. <laughs> number two. I don't know why I don't know why I really do this because it's too predictable, right? But mm-hmm. it had to be the NWO. Me. What you gonna do when the New World Organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna free the lawyers! Well, I mean, there's nothing other cooler than the night when uh, at WrestleMania, what one is it, the one with Sting and Triple H? You know, DX come out. You think that was cool? Do you know how it was, not it? And then NWA comes something. That's not my favourite NWO moment. Ah, right, what's your favourite By NWO? the way, I'm confusing you here, because I don't actually mean NWO like the one Hogan and in... Hall and Nash. I mean late stage NWO. What, the one with Booker like T? Horace and Virgil and all that. <laughs> That's the NWO I'm talking about. Horace and Virgil and all that. Or cutting about, Or what? just kicking about backstage or storing about fucking 40 of them. I like a faction to have about 40, 50 people in it. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly was. I mean, who isn't in the NWO? Um, and then there was NWO Red and Black as well, right? There was a, there was a Latino World Order as well, wasn't there? LWO, the problem I have... the great Eddie Guerrero. Aye, what a guy. What a guy. Um, do you know what? The only problem I have with NWO is the amount of wrestlers now that rip off that fucking NWO logo shot is everywhere. Oh. Everybody I does it. I just hate, listen, I hate, and, and you know, and I know, I, I don't want to, I've got a lot of people who I really care for and a lot of people I really like in the... British wrestling community, right? But I'll tell you something I really do hate, right? And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people do this. I don't like anybody ripping off another wrestler's logo. It's like that Bullet Club shirt. Yeah, every, anything like that. I just don't think, I think it looks small time. I, I remember and when I... And I don't I, I put anybody's noses out of joint, uh, but I think it looks small time. No, I, I do agree with you. I remember Coke Cabana having a go at me when I, did, when I got Gradle Mania ones done and the style aye. of Hulk Hogan's. He was like, Gradle, come on, Gradle, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. And in hindsight, aye, it probably was was right, isn't he? He was right, he was right. Who else have I ripped off T-shirt? <laughs> My number one on the list, the list of wrestling, uh, favourite faction of all time. It's got to be the fucking horsemen, right? It's got to be the horsemen. We going to Minneapolis. We going to LA. We going to Frisco, Albuquerque, Chicago. In other words, after we beat all the wrestlers up, and there's a woman out there, what to find out? Just where she stands in the world of femininity. Jump on the horseman one time, baby. It's an all-night ride. We're going to destroy Philly tonight. Chicago tomorrow, the four horsemen right here. So, you know, I've had to go back and watch a lot of the horseman stuff, and I loved it. Um, But I don't. Because I wasn't that age, because you weren't there. No, do you know what I mean? Well, this is the thing. That's why it's a bit cheaty, isn't it? To say that, because I wasn't there either. I wasn't there. Aye, because where would you have watched The Four Horsemen? It was never on Channel 5. Or fucking... No, no. It's like it was something I picked up later in the day. You See, know what I mean? to me, that to me, you just sound as if you're trying to be fucking smart saying The Four Horsemen. No, well, uh, well, do you know what I mean? Well, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Does, it does mate. sound like that. But see, when you, you... you're just trying to be, you're trying to be cool, no saying DX. Here's mine. Now, listen, I don't want to keep going on about fucking TNA. How many times have I mentioned it already, right? But listen, 
I was the first ever guy to watch a TNA show in Scotland. I tell you why. Because they debuted on Wednesday the 19th of June 2002. You were the first guy to watch it in Scotland? I'm telling you because I got the tape on Saturday morning. Somebody, somebody oh. taped it, FedExed it, and I got it on Saturday morning. Anyway, week 27, week 28, they brought out a faction called Sports Entertainment Extreme S E X Sex Cells, right? And it was a faction that Russell had, and uh, who was on it? Sonny Siaki. He reminded me of The Rock. Uh, who else was on it? The Harris Brothers, remember? Big, yeah, big Ron yeah, and yeah. Don. Big Ron and Don. Big Baldies. And I, at that time when I was 14, that's when I was just pure wrestling daft. And SEX, Sports Entertainment Extreme, they are my favourite faction in wrestling. See, right, to, sen- tune. right to censor wouldn't have allowed a team like SEX to exist. No. And could you imagine that? It would have been good to, you know, combine them in the one show. Imagine fucking... Is right that the dream for you? Right to censor? I mean, that, com- that company with Right to Censor and SEX up the top it are going to go right out of business, aren't they? <laughs> 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 you imagine that? What's your that? main event? Fucking Right to Censor and SEX. Who do this? Are we allowed to play this? Aye, because I know they all of it, it's fine. S-E-X Set I mean, it's a good wee start, isn't it? But then it kind of just moves into a kind of generic creator wrestler kind of music in one of your computers. Oh, no, games. I think you can't beat that. I can't beat you that. I think that's a, a cracking song. I just want to give a shout-out to the punters here, uh, the fans, the, the lifeblood, the lifeblood of the show. We asked them who their favourite faction are. Andy Finlay told us DX or The Shield. <laughs> Cheers, Andy. <laughs> and he also said, this is also for Andy Finlay, DX because they are old-school WWE. Right, now, hold on a minute. How can they be old school WWE? That's there's no such ha- thing. That's a juxtaposition. Uh, there, there is, it's a contradiction. Aye. There's no such thing as old school. It's old school WWF, so you've exposed yourself, Andy Finlay, as a fake fan. And <laughs> and he says here, and Shield cause of the big dog and Mox. I think well, you'll find he's contradicting himself there again because he was called Mox. He wasn't called Mox. No. So I don't know. Andy Finlay doesn't know anything about wrestling. Block this guy. Mick McFarlane, like the Bullet Club back when they just started. Aye, sure. Aye, sure you aye, did. When they aye. started. Aye, I don't exactly. like I, I like their first stuff. I like their first aye, album. Yeah. I like that. You saw their shirt before you saw one of their matches. God's sake, Mick McFarlane. Come on. All right, we get it. You're a wrestling fan. Aye, we get it. You oh, watched, we get it. You watched uh, Puruso. What do you call it? Puruso? Puro. 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 I want to tell you something, by the way. Uh, Gredo was talking about getting tapes earlier on, getting tapes. This is what we used to do back in the day. Aye. People have it lucky now. Oh. Because they can watch the WWE Network, they can watch all the stuff online, they can sign up to fight to watch AEW, they can watch it in so many ways, but we used to, I mean, I used to watch... You didn't at the post office with about fucking 40 videotapes? Noah wrestling, like mm-hmm. All Japan, all that kind Shoot of thing. Shoot interviews. I was big into Hustle, I Japanese wrestling, wrestling Zero company, One. And, and, and you would get them on tapes. It was tapes, you had to play like VHS tapes. It's ridiculous. Was, but, 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 uh, and now we get people like Andy Finlay talking about <laughs> Mox being in fucking Shield. But, uh, but Rab, how good was it being a young boy and the postman. Oh, I know. The There's your tapes, mate. It's like, there's your er, form, though, son. Yeah, no, you I, are too feared well, to tell him it was wrestling. What? That's why I was. <laughs> <laughs> I get too feared. That's why I, I used to get feared going to the post office because I'm thinking, I bet they think I'm fucking sending Scotty videos out. Well, but there was no yeah. better feeling postman oh. coming to the door. There you go. There you are, Roddy Piper, shoot interview. Aye. Some of the tapes were like four hours long. Aye, they they were not your, your three hour video. No, tapes. no, it was long they play. They were your four, aye, five, six. Aye. Um, right, Scott Taylor says Horseman all the way. Woo! <laughs> so Scott Taylor has been slagged off by Grado just yep. like I was. Because what, what age? Maybe Scott, Aye, Scott Taylor's, Taylor's 60, probably six. He might be sixty. He's going to be if you like the Horseman. Oh come on now. Adam Morrison says the filthy generation at ICW. Hmm. You think about that? 
somebody wants a pint with the wrestlers uh, at the bar. Somebody's <laughs> no, but that's a good shout because somebody's wanting to jump up the cat house and uh, hang about uh, with the uh, ICW uh, boys. But hey, by the way, they are a really, really entertaining faction. I must oh, admit, uh, they're really, really, really talented bunch of folk. And that is, I mean, the the new age click were great in ICW, but the the filthy generation. Or they've got everything in them. Adam Fortune says the Heart Foundation '97, the whole US versus Canada angle Fair was a business. That's a good. That's a good shout. Brett is a heel. Listen, Brett Hart underrated heel. By the way, oh that he was underrated great. 1997 as a heel, cutting a promos was absolutely you could, and none of that was scripted. Red Lightning Rudo <laughs> says the Black Label because I was, I was in, in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> the bold Rudo. Who, by the way, can I just say, was a very, 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 very bad tape trader. Was he a bad he tape had trader? A bad, he had a what, bad name back in the day. What do you mean, was he like, what, what do you mean by a bad tape trader? He wouldn't, he wouldn't send he would, the tapes? That was probably the worst bit. Or you would get it, you, you, would, you, he, you would send yours in January and you would get, you would get yours off him in fucking October. He's taped neighbours. So, he was, so he was black labelled. <laughs> Big David Dalgleish. Big David boy. David Dalgleish says, right to censor. He's fucking said right to censor. <sighs> oh, I'm going to give that a big red circle run it. David Dalgleish is the best wrestling fan uh, on this episode of the show. Was also gutted when uh, Val Venus as well, when he stopped being a porn star and he was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was just disgusting, right? That was disgusting was when disgusting. they did that, yeah. Ryan Gallagher, uh, 3MB. 3MB. Freeman Band. I mean, <sighs> done wonders for Drew. Yeah, well, desperate times, really. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That was our uh, list of wrestling daft. Just talking about some factions there. We like to keep our lists on the go because we know that is the currency of the internet. You know, we need to keep lists coming out. Uh, here's a list. Do, do you have any lists of uh, illnesses or pains or injuries or anything that you've got? Currently, the new I've got like I've got a bit of a, bit of a sore belly, man. Well, mate, I'm the king of sore bellies. I mean, I'm on this podcast. I'm on that football daft podcast talking about my IBS. It's constant. I mean, if I don't take my modium, I'm going to shit 30, 40 times a day. And it's been an issue. You know, I've, lo- I've went for a colonoscopy. I wrestled Doug Williams the night before uh, my first ever colonoscopy. I've had a colonoscopy as well. Was it up your farter or down your throat? Oh, I was up, I was up my farter. Do you, you, no, I'll, I need to be honest here about the colonoscopy. See the bit after the colonoscopy where you get to lie. Did you get to lie in a wee bed? Yes. You get to lie in a wee bed on my side and a wee, and the lassie came up to me and says, you put this wee blanket just up and just pull the blanket up to your chest and just lie on your side. And, and if you have to do a fart, just do a fart. <laughs> right, that's right, right. <laughs> do you mind? I mean, it's nice wee lassie tell me, it's okay to do a fart in here. Right, do you know what happened at my colonoscopy? Do you know what happened at my colonoscopy, oh, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there, right? I'm sitting there about to get this fucking hang up my father. <laughs> and uh, the woman, the nurse goes, the nurse goes, she goes, oh, yeah, you're not, you're not bruised, son. You're not bruised. What's that? I goes, I did a bit of the wrestling. I was wrestling last night. She went, what, what, like that Grado guy? <laughs> I goes, oh, my God. Oh, I'm Grado. I am. I showed her the tattoo. She went, and so she, go, she started to get scared because she's obviously thinking, oh, no, you know, patient, 
confidentiality. Listen, Hen, you can tell you can tell the full tune what you're sticking up my ass. I don't care. Oh dear, mate. Well, 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 I'm sure we'll come back to that. I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers out there that have IBS. Oh, I mean, I'll, uh, there's a wrestler that will remain nameless at this point. <clears throat> Jackie Polo. Uh, who, um... Jackie Polo's got IBS. No, he shot in the ring. Oh, he shot in the ring? Aye. Did when they, I wrestled him did Undertake, in July. Did they... Was it, no, it wasn't Undertaker. Was it no Sid? That supposedly somebody shot in the ring. There's a few folk that shot in the ring because, I mean, you think about it. All these guys that take all the protein and all the rest there, yeah. and you, you, yeah, and then when they get in that, body, ring, aye, yeah. aye, do you know what I mean? It's so uh, you take one dodgy move, man, and it's it can be oh oh, yeah, aye, so beautiful. <laughs> anyway, that was a list of wrestling daft. So lots of troops, you want to get involved in this list carry on. You want to get your name read out. You want to get your your favourite lists. Get yourself involved by going to at wrestling daft. That's the Twitter handle. Get involved, and you can submit your list, and we'll read it out in there, and uh, we'll, either, we'll either put it over or put it. Now, hello, this is Gredo here, and I've just cracked open one of the many cans that Beer 52 provide. Beer 52, they're a beer company that have tremendous beers for all over Europe. All you need today to get involved and sipsky some of these tremendous beers is go to www.beer52.com slash wrestling. And we can sort you with eight free beers. That's right, eight free beers. All you need today is cover the four ninety-five for the postage. And I'll tell you, your books will be sent out next day delivery, and it's going to contain beer for all over Europe. I love to get in at night, put on a bit of the wrestling, and get tore into some of my Beer 52 beers. They are tremendous. I've got one right now in front of me. It's called Northern Monk. Hey, and it's gluten-free. <laughs> That'll do me. As I say, they have beer for all over Europe. It's crispy. It's beautifully piney, juicy, and woody. Oh, get yourself involved in some of this beer. It's going to change your life. It's a monthly subscription service for Beer 52, and they don't hold you to answer. If you think the beers aren't you your liking, well, you can you can come away for the subscription. It's fine, but I'm telling you, the next package that they sent out, there'll be more different beers, there'll be more options, and if you love beer, this is right up your street. So just go to beer52.com slash wrestling to get your first case of 10 beers for absolutely hee-haw damn all. <laughs> I was going to say swig a beer for the working man, but there's a bald man from America who has his own podcast and is probably one of the most famous wrestlers in the world, apart from Chris Jericho, that does that, so I don't want to plagiarise him, but uh, it's yourself. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Jericho's got a lot of In the world at what I do. I prove it. I claim it. I am it. Shut the hell up! And allow me to welcome all of you to Raw is Jericho! So here on Wrestling Daft is our first ever guest and it doesn't come any bigger than this. One of the greats of all time, one of the most celebrated, most decorated wrestlers of all time. He is the pain maker, he is Le Champion, he is the inaugural ADW champion, Chris Jericho. Now you're talking. Yes, it's me. Here, right. just before, here Jericho, you're the first guy to come on this podcast. 
I'm absolutely, absolutely delighted. So, in honour, I am going to pop a little bit of the bubbly. Here we go. Now you're hey, talking. Hey, hey. He, nearly, he nearly took out the computer there <laughs> with that. So you guys are having a little bit of a bubbly. I might as well go over here and... Uh, I get told in. Five o'clock somewhere, right? What the hell? Who here gives a fuck? We're never going to be sober on this show. Uh-uh. We're never going to be sober on this show. I'm Rab, by the way. My name's Rab. I know you know Grado. I know you've you've been you've met this I do. guy before. All right. we what, met- what, what do you right, make Rob. of this guy, Grado, by the way? I love him. I only met him one time in person when I was completely loaded. So... Uh, <laughs> Other right. than that, we exchanged text text messages probably eighteen times a day yep. in a text group that we're in. Beautiful. Although Greg was very judicious with his uh, texts, he doesn't send too many. But whenever he does, they're always great. Yes, and I I do have to admit that I did abuse the power of having your uh, mobile telephone <laughs> number. When you did I- <laughs> quite the. Uh- Drunken uh, uh, requests for employment, shall I, we say? I was an uh, I was in an altered state, Chris. Yes. And uh, I, 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 I must come clean to the viewers yeah. that I, I made an addition to Chris Jericho to get on AEW. Uh, I sent you through the night. I woke up the next morning and I was completely embarrassed. Um, however, I hope you were entertained. But obviously it's no yeah. work because I'm sitting here picking my in a podcast. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I, I didn't send it to anybody. No, that was uh, the rules. still might, because it was quite entertaining. Do you still have, Chris, do you still have the video? Do you still have that I video? think so. Yeah, I think I, I think I probably still have it, yeah. It would be great to get it. For future blackmailing purposes for Grado, if he ever uh, fucks around with me. Yeah. <laughs> and that will happen, probably. Hey, Chris, you must feel on top Ooh. of the world right now. <clears throat> well, I mean, um, it's been a great couple of months for sure. A great year, actually, with all the great things that are happening with... AW and with Fozzie and with the Jericho crews, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I find for me, I'm constantly moving and, and thinking of new ideas and living in the moment. So I don't really ever step back and just look at the big picture sometimes and go, wow, yeah. aren't I great? Isn't everything great? I, I'm always kind of working on stuff to continue to, to, to do cool things. So yeah, I guess I'm on top of the world, but uh, I'm not uh, uh, you know, uh, giving myself a, a kiss of my own wee-wee, shall we say. <laughs> No. Well, this is, I I'm think... not sucking my own dick, Grado, is what I meant to say. I'm no, sure no, no. But if I was Chris Jericho, I'd be sucking my own dick. So put it that way. Well, I'm not Lanny Poffo, so I can't do that. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> one of the great wrestling legends right there. And we're off Correct. to a good start, ladies. We're off to a good start. But, but, I think, a good start. but I think this is one of the things that defines you, Chris Jericho, is the fact that you... You do keep evolving. You keep moving and keep evolving. You're a guy. I mean, you've never even been. You've had you've had long spells at companies, but you've never allowed yourself to be overexposed. You've dipped out for a wee while to do stuff with Fozzie and stuff like that, and you've came back. You're constantly reinventing, constantly coming up with new stuff. That must be exhausting. Do you find that tiring to do that, or does it just come naturally to you? Uh, at the risk of sounding kind of egotistical, it does come naturally because it's just how I'm wired. Mm. Um, you know, everyone knows my story. When I was a kid, like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, all I wanted to do was be in a rock band and be a wrestler. So I kind of just focused my life on doing those two things. And then when I succeeded at those two things and everything else just became, you know, you become dangerous when, when you when you succeed at something where, where nobody thinks you can do it. So then my, my confidence uh, and my ambition is through the roof. So all of these other things that I'm doing are, are based uh, around that. So I think that um, it's it's kind of cool that uh, I always, like you said, am trying new things and doing new things. And even within my own world, like you said, with, with wrestling, Fozzie, evolving and always keeping things 
uh, exciting and changing because that's just just how I am. I never wanted to be like a nostalgia act, like where you go to the yeah. high school gymnasium uh-huh. and watch, you know, guys from the eighties do their same shtick they did in the eighties. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or nineties now, or two thousands. I never wanted to be that guy. I, I always wanted to be like David Bowie, where you're constantly trying new things out and making it exciting, not just for, for me as a performer, but for my fans as well, because they never know exactly what they're going to get. Right. And it must be cool, uh, Chris, that you're, you have a platform in AEW where you have a lot of free reign in terms of when you're in that ring and you've got the mic, you've not got somebody coming up, well, I don't know if you have, but I would imagine that you can pretty much get in that ring and you can cut a promo and it comes for the heart. There's nobody telling you exactly what to say. It's a, a, a group of guys, a group of pals that are starting a revolution and you're getting that, you know, you're getting to be yourself, you're getting to re, reinvent yourself at your own free will. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I was uh, intrigued by AEW and why I liked the idea of it was that, uh, not that there's no rules because there is, but you, you're really letting the guys be artists, let, letting the artists be artists and do their art. And uh, letting creative people just uh, not have any really chains on them as to what's creative and what's not. And I really like that idea because, uh, listen, I love the WWE. It's very successful. It is what it is, though. They do things a certain way. They do things the way they've always done things and probably the way they always will. uh, There's a lot of chain of command to go through to get ideas through and to get things to happen, uh, which is probably one of the reasons why they're so successful. But I was really intrigued by trying something new and not having to worry about that. It started when I went to New Japan in 2018 and realized, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm actually really good at this stuff. And then thinking of all these different things and doing all these different things without having to ask the permission, so to speak. So um, that continues to AEW where, like I said, it's much more of a Wild West mentality. Go out there and get over. And all the promos that I'm, that I've done, which people have liked so far, have all been pretty much off the cuff, just improv type things. Which, when you've been doing this, and you're the same way, Grado, when you've been doing this for as long as, as I have or you have and you're in the, in this business, you know what to do. I know how to do mm-hmm. a promo. I don't need to get it approved and write it beforehand. Just go out there and feel it uh, and, and say what you think is right for the moment. And it's so much more organic and more exciting and, and more hard-hitting and effective that way. No, exactly, because I remember I was telling the guys that I got handed a scripted promo in TNA a couple of years ago where I had to parody a 1970s American game show host. Now, I can't remember the guy's name, right? But at the time, I was 28, so when that show was out, I wasn't even born. I had no clue what the show was, and I had to parody this guy, and I'm going, who the fuck is this guy? And I'm hovering... Who was the guy? Do you remember? I I can't remember the name of the game show host, right? (laughs) But it was he had some sort of catchphrase, and I'm going out there, and there's like 75 people in Universal Studios, and I'm just standing, and I felt an absolute dick. If I had the chance to speak myself and be myself, then I feel as if I probably would have been a, a wee bit more successful. But it is amazing that you're getting a chance to do that. And the younger people, the the younger guys yeah. on the roster, obviously they need to learn. They probably won't, won't get as much free reign to talk as much as, as you are, but what a, a, a core group of people to give advice to the young guys, you know what I mean? You've got yourself, you've got Dustin, you've got Cody, you've got Dean Malenko, and it's amazing to see that, that, that this group of people are now working in a company all together out with WWE. Yeah, um, that's the thing. You know, it's the same thing as any rock and roll show or TV show. It's not just the guys on the screen and on the stage. It's behind the scenes. And we have a great infrastructure 
uh, of people who did work for WWE and have, have been through that system. And listen, like I said, I think the, the experience that, that, that those guys have is invaluable because Vince's system, it very much is a machine. And, and when you come from there, you think of things differently. You know how to, how to roll with the punches and roll with the changes, and you know how to do things more efficiently and quicker. It's like a great football team or a great hockey team. You have the experienced vets. you got a great, passionate front office. You got a lot of rookies that are that are learning, uh, and then you got a lot of kind of guys in their prime that are also learning because weekly live TV is a whole different animal. And unless you work for Vince, uh, no one's really done that. It's all taped, and that's great too. But to be live, it's a different way of doing things, and I'm really proud with how our roster has adapted to that very quickly. And uh, you know, three weeks in a row now, there's been nobody that went too long for their live segment. There's nobody went too short. There hasn't been any dead air. There hasn't been any awkward moments. So uh, that's a pretty cool way to start off this company when you have such a, a huge issue and a huge mountain like live TV because there's uh, there's no going back. You're, you're without a net for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, it's a universal truth, I think, about the creative process that as few barriers as you can have between the performer and the audience, the better. You know what I mean? And I think you know, I think that's a great thing about what you guys are doing at AEW is you do get that sense that you have a kind of direct line to the audience. It feels like there's a really kind of close engagement between the performers and the audience there. I, I, I'm in the comedy game here in Scotland and I work in TV and I do live stuff. And, you know, TV is just, it's like anything like this. It's, it's a frustrating process when you're getting loads of notes and you're having to explain your creative process, you're having to explain your ideas. Sometimes when you over-explain an idea to try and put it over to somebody yeah. that doesn't understand it, it starts to kill it even within yourself. So it's just, you, you can feel that, I think, from AEW, that you have that that direct link between yourselves and the audience, you know? Yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a tendency to over-analyze things. Um, and, and listen, it's good to think about it, it's good to go over, it's good to plan, but when you over-plan, it takes away a lot of the spontaneity and a lot of the energy and a lot of the fun out of it. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why AEW has such a great buzz, you know, and then there is kind of a real close relationship between the fans and the company. Not in my respect, because I don't give a shit what the fans think. And I'm smart <laughs> enough to know what's right. But it's a good way for those other guys to kind of make themselves feel better that the fans are, are important and the fans are calling the shots. And it might not be that literal, but we definitely want to please the people that are watching our show and not make them angry which we see quite often in, in wrestling. So um, it's a whole new world. It's something that's never been done before. I mean, where else have you ever seen uh, a wrestling company start at the highest of levels from show one? Yeah. I mean, if you're a WWF fan, that started in the 30s. If you're a, a WCW fan, NWA fan, I don't even know, 1800s, when the hell did that start? You know, <laughs> yeah. ECW started, but in a high school gym. AEW started our very first show, technically, in a sold-out Las Vegas arena, um, you know, or, or go to Washington, D.C. The very first TV show was at a sold-out Washington arena on one of the biggest cable stations in the world. That's the first time, maybe only time, a company has, has been like that and started at that high of a level. So I think there's a real uh, connection that the fans have. I, I, I liken it to, to, I started listening to Metallica in 1984, Ride the Lightning, their second album. That's when I got on board. So my whole life, Metallica's been there. I've grown up with Metallica. They've grown up with me. So I have a real connection to that band because mm. I was there at the very start when they were nothing. And then now they're the biggest band in the world. So it's cool, I think, for AEW fans to feel the same way. Like, we were there from the start, and we knew something that no one else did. And now as it gets bigger and bigger and we continue to grow and become more mainstream, 
We have a great collection of fans who are like, I was there at the start. I'm mm-hmm. smarter than the rest. I know something uh, yeah. no one else knew. <laughs> and it makes you a lifelong fan. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I know you don't like to say that there's a war. There is, you know, WWE and NXT are on the same time every Wednesday night. But, and I know you, you're saying that AEW needs to focus on themselves, but... How do you feel about the WWE when, you know, they, they get that sniff of competition and they try and, and, and bury it? Alexa, do you know think that WWE needs this competition? Because since AEW, I've got to admit, WWE has got a wee bit more entertaining. I'm enjoying it recently. I'm enjoying it. So do you, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think I've, I don't know what no, I'm trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. You know what I'm saying? saying? You had one sip of bubbly and you're loaded. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, my first. It's my first. It's my first pro deal. Basically, let me take over. Um, I, yeah, I you think go for I it, bro. I knew this was going to happen, and I told the guys like, you, "You don't understand. You don't know Vince McMahon like I know Vince McMahon. He's going to retaliate. It's just what he does. He loves the competition aspect of it. He loves this. Uh, he's probably having more fun with wrestling now than he has over the last ten years because there's this is giving him something to 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 fight for and to fight at. You know, if you're in a race and I'm running, you know, around a track and there's no one behind me, what difference does it make? I might slow down a bit. I might stop and take a piss on the side. You know, I might start walking. If there's someone right behind me, I'm going to be running as fast as I can to, to win. And I think that's what, what happened. We ignited a spark behind Vince and the entire WWE that made them realize you're not the only show in town anymore. You're not the richest company in town anymore. Uh, and in a lot of ways, you're not the cool company anymore. So what do you do to make that better? Well, now we have to go toe-to-toe and fight. Now, to me, when I say we're not at war with WWE, well, I guess we're in competition with them. We're not at war with NXT because, and this is going to make people mad, but this is not being an asshole. NXT is still the minor league. No matter how you, you, you slice it and how you move it and this and the other thing, those guys are still basically unknown performers. Um, it's not a competition to us. And I knew we would win because we have more star power than, than, than NXT does. I mean, when you look at the, at the end of our first week of TV, who was out there at the end? Chris Jericho. Well, we know him. Uh, Dustin Rose. Well, we know him. John Moxley. Well, we know him. He used to be another name, but we know who that is. Hmm. Uh, Cody's out there. We saw him before, if you're a longtime wrestling fan. Pac is out there. Well, remember him when he was Neville. Oh, there's uh, Jack Swagger, but he's got a different name now, Jake Hager, yeah. but I know who he is. Jim Ross is commentating. I know that guy. Tim uh, Tony Schiavone's commentating. I know that guy. It's like Justin Roberts is the announcer. It's a subtle thing, but we know that guy. There's all people that have done WrestleManias out there the very first night of our TV. And on NXT, they have guys that I've never heard of. And this is not cutting them down. They're all great performers. But to a mainstream fan, they don't know who Kyle O'Reilly is or Johnny Gargano or uh, Ciampa yeah. or uh, Velveteen Dream. They just don't. So to me, we're not in competition with NXT. Our competition is Raw, is SmackDown, is Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and, and all those guys. So that's the way I look at it. I think it was a little bit of a stroke of genius for Vince to put NXT on against us because it took the focus off the main show yeah. in AEW and it put it on the minor league in AEW. So there's no war with that. And you can put anybody you want on against NXT on a Wednesday night. You can put you know, a Super Bowl game or, or the, the World Cup final or you know, resurrect the Beatles and do a reunion. It doesn't matter. We can't control that. All we yeah. can control on a Wednesday night is our show and our product and make sure it's the best it can possibly be. So far, we've been doing that very well and we've been winning. But to me, winning is not just beating NXT. It's being number one in certain demos for the whole night. 
I mean, I think that, I mean, I think the great thing that AEW has is that there's a kind of cool as an undefinable thing. It's difficult to define what cool is and it's difficult to manufacture cool as well. It's difficult to do yeah. that. And I think the beautiful thing about AEW is it does have that mainstream appeal that you just spoke about there, but it also feels like an outsider product. It feels like a cool outsider product, even though it's still this big mainstream show. And that's a real that's a really difficult thing to it straddle. Feels kinda, it feels kinda undergroundy, yeah. even though it's no underground. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean Aye. and that's a well, that, that, and that's that's the reason why we have such a buzz about us and why we've done so well right off the bat is um <laughs> excuse me, like I mentioned, we are cool and you can't manufacture it. How do you become cool? You just are. When, you know, when, when we all know Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy just has an X factor being cool. Mm. He doesn't try, just is. Either you are or you aren't. And I think, like I said, this rebellious nature of somebody going up against the evil empire. I mean, we're, we're the rebel forces in Star Wars. Uh, just by the fact that we exist has made WWE angry. It's gotten everybody paid a lot more money because WWE signed guys and re-signed them to way more money to not end up in AEW. And that's good, too. So I think the fans have benefited. I think the uh, the guys have benefited. I think the company, WWE, has benefited by having us kind of up their asses. And as a result of just doing this on our own, we are cool. Mm. And we have that in our in our back pocket now to expand upon because when you have the fans' goodwill, you can get away with a lot of stuff. We don't want to insult them too many times, and we're trying not to. There's always things that happen every week that we can do better. But the bottom line is we don't want to insult the fans' intelligence because we know once you do that, you lose your credibility and you lose yeah. your cool factor. Yeah. Uh, we are not going to do that. And I think as a result, that's why we have this kind of rebellious, maverick, uh, perception about us because that's pretty much what we are. We're doing things. We're, we're flying, you know, uh, in uncharted waters here. None of us have ever done this before. I don't know how to start a wrestling company. We're <laughs> doing the best we can, and we literally have no writers. We literally have really nobody. No, there's no writers at all. Nothing. So, so what? How does what is the process? Is it? I know that obviously Tony owns the company, but in terms of creative wise, how? how who books the show? What happens on show day? Is a well, I I know like I book all my own stuff. Really, and that wow. means not by myself. I mean, I'm in there with Tony and and, and Cody and I have. Who's the champion? Together. Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me though. I didn't book it though. Trust me. Um, so I, I, as far as the rest of the show, I think the Young Bucks are involved. And Kenny's involved. He, Kenny's really involved with the women. Right. I know that he's really focused on the uh, on the women's uh, stuff, and um, I think it's just a matter of booking. Booking, yes. Wrestling companies always had bookers, even when you go back to you know the eighties. Or Dusty Rhodes was a booker, or Flair was a booker, or Bill Watts was a booker, or you know Vince and Pat were bookers. So that's what I'm talking about. We have bookers. We don't have writers that right. are doing promos and saying, "Here, read this." Um, that doesn't exist. You have to have somebody that's putting together the matches and ideas of where you want things to go. Um, when I signed with AEW, I didn't want to be an EVP, an executive vice president. I don't have anything to do with it. I just worry about my own stuff. I, I don't want to sit in a boardroom or on the phone or whatever the hell they do for hours on end coming up with booking. That's not what I where I'm at after 29 years on the job. So, um, But there is those guys put a lot of time, and they know pretty much for the next year 
what they want to do and where they want to go with the primary uh, players in this company. And that's smart. You have to have that forward planning to really be able to deliver with the details. Chris, how big a factor do you think youth is in the company, in AEW? Because I, I get that sense watching it as a fan. I get a real sense for WWE, for example, that it's a kind of company of old men. You know what I mean? I kind of get that well, vibe. And from know, AEW, I get that feeling of youth. It's interesting because if you're going with the demos that we talked about, the only demo where WWE beats AEW is over 50. <laughs> and listen... That's a huge market, but you can have that demo because I think to really survive, you need the younger people. This is something that I said from the start. We need Jungle Boy. We need Darby Allen. We need even Marco Stunt. Very controversial this weekend, but kids love that guy. You need to draw the kids, the teenagers. My my teenage girls are 13. They love Jungle Boy. Uh, He's so cute. He's, he's, He's so cute. That's what you need. You need those teen heartthrobs. Sammy Guevara, you need those type of guys. You don't bring in guys in their early 20s, send them down to, to the minor leagues for five, six years until they're like, you know, not young anymore, yep. and then bring them onto the show. It's okay if they're green. That's fine. We can mask that. Right. We need the young guys and the young girls. Look at Rio. Who's who's she over with? The the young girls. Yeah. That's something we haven't seen in WWE for a long time. Uh, and that needs to change because that's a huge part of the audience. And it's why you see, you know, um, you, you see uh, Five Seconds of Summer and, you know, the Jonas Brothers. And, and like, my goodness, you know, Post Malone, who's going to those concerts? Teenagers. Right. Because the teenagers find them cool. And that's kind of what, what we haven't seen in wrestling for a while. And we really are focusing that with AEW. That's why I wanted to do something with Darby Allen right off the bat. And yeah. That was great last week. That was great. And, and how, people how, haven't seen that. How long is, I mean, Darby's only been working about four years. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Four I mean, years? I never, I never heard of him until he came at AEW. I mean, so, and then last week he's, I mean, you guys were, you were main event. I just can't believe like four yeah. years ago and he, the, what, it's such a great story. And it just makes me think, I wonder, do you know if there's a load of guys in WWE that might be champing at the bit champing at the bit to try and make the jump to come and join you guys. There must be guys that are saying, hmm, that looks amazing. You know, they might you, they, they might be um, a, a point in their career in WWE where they think they've done this, they've done that. It's now time to take a leaf out of Jericho's book. You know, make the jump. Yeah. And, and, and is, are, you, are you finding that? Are you getting? Well, I mean, I think if you're going to leave WWE at this point, you're going to really have to take a stand. And you're going to really have to want to go. And you're really going to have to not be motivated by money. Because they're going to throw as much money to a certain extent. But they're going to throw money at the guys that want to leave. And they're going to make it hard to leave. Because they know now there's somewhere to go. Uh, Moxley escaping. It's kind of like a window was closing. And like in Star Wars. And Moxley was the last guy to get out <laughs> slid through. before yeah. the door closed. Um, you know, Sean Spears, a couple of the guys like that, but th- you're not going to see a lot of guys coming over, and we don't want a lot of guys coming. No, over. you don't need There's them. You, yeah. but we don't want this to be like TNA was, where they bring in and nothing against these guys. Okay, we got Hulk Hogan, we got RBD, we got Jeff Hardy, we got Sting, we, and then it becomes WWE castoffs, and we mm-hmm. don't want yeah. that. We have the cool factor now, and we need to find and build our own guys. We need to build talent and build stars very quickly. Which is why Darby in week three had a championship match. Because, listen, it'd be great if you could build them up and have them go through the mid-card level and go to the top. We don't have six months to do that. 
We need to build stars now yeah. to get people to continue to watch our show. It's not like it is. Anybody that's talking about the way things are normally booked and used to be booked and Marco's stunt is a embarrassment to the business, fuck all that. Now, uh. if somebody has a chance to get over, big, small, black, white, red, green, guy, girl, whatever, then let's try and get them over. That's the basic point of wrestling. Now wrestling getting people over has changed you have to have them lose for a year and then <laughs> go through this for a year like who says no exactly yeah i mean any rules that anything that used to apply doesn't apply whether we fall flat in our face and it doesn't work fine but what if it works what if marco stunt becomes one of the most popular performers most popular wrestlers in the company people's heads are going to explode i don't give a shit I'll sell for the guy. Yeah. <laughs> kids love him and kids believe in him right. and they're paying money and he's drawing ratings. Then we make it work. But, but, it's not real. But Correct. this is the thing, though. This is, this is like the spirit of fucking real pro wrestling here, though. You know, it's like with the WWE, you get the feeling now that they're almost frightened to push people. They're frightened to make anybody bigger than the company. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas here, here in USA, this is so refreshing. You know, talk what I mean? about this isn't believable or that's not believable. It's not believable if I throw Grado off the ropes and he runs back at me. Yeah. It's Come wrestling. Right. It's show business, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you see Yoda and at the one of the, the, the Star Wars movies, he's he's beating the crap out of guys with his lightsaber. He's yeah. spinning around. He's this tall, right? He's too small. This is unbelievable. Wrestling is what we want it to be. Listen, God bless Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez. Unbelievable. I saw the real Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez fight when it was real. I don't want to watch it when it's not real because Cain's had two matches. Maybe he's a total natural. He's very green. Two matches. Two matches. Yeah, exactly. Put Marco Stunt out there doing what he did last week. It was very entertaining. It was fun. It was exciting. I would venture to say I would rather watch Marco Stunt in the ring than Cain Velasquez. <laughs> I haven't seen Cain Velasquez. Maybe he'll blow my mind. But I do know it's very hard to be a poised trained professional after only doing it twice right. how did how, chris just on that how did you feel about ronda rousey's transition how did you feel she performed when she came in she was great she did a great job i mean i she think she also, surprised everybody she was also in the company for a year yeah and uh she was a great talker uh and listen there's nothing wrong with being super believable in wrestling that is part of the show yeah. for sure being very believable and the fact that she basically kick-started Charlotte and Becky and all those girls to end up uh, main event in WrestleMania. Think about that. You never would have had a main event in WrestleMania 10 years ago with women in it. So she was a trailblazer for sure. And they sadly miss her. Hopefully she comes back. Yeah. Because she did a great job. And there are naturals. Hey, maybe Cain Velasquez will come out and be a total natural. And I'll eat my words and say I was wrong. It won't be. Is, he won't be. Big, small, black or white. It's, in it's uh, entertainment. I and who's going to draw the most... I love it. I love you're saying that you're talking about the likes of Marco Stunt because obviously I had that problem when I first went to, to Impact. There was a lot of guys that would say to me, Oh, you're no a wrestler, you're not a wrestler, you don't know a wrist lock between a between a wrist lock and a wrist watch. At the end of the day, I feel myself I'm an entertainer, Chris. I'm an entertainer. And I love to be out in front of a live crowd. And and, and do you know what? If it means that I don't know how to do a 350 or a 360 or whatever, every time I go out there, I just try and entertain. But there's a lot of old guys, a lot of old vets that just don't give likes of me, likes of Marco Stunt a chance. And it feels amazing to hear that, to, to, to hear that there's a well, company. I, I, I was the same. That's the thing. Like, like in 1990, when I started, everyone laughed at me when I said I wanted to be a wrestler. Are you way too small? So now I'm the biggest guy in the company or one of them. Right. I mean, top 10% probably. 
it's all relative. And that's why I come at it from experience. You know, I was there when Rey Mysterio in 1993, I'll never forget, Art Bar, Love Machine brought me to his room and lit up a joint. And I said, Art, what are you doing? You can't light up a joint in front of this kid. He's 12 years old. No, he's 18. He's 18. He's a wrestler. He's a wrestler. He's 18. Good luck, buddy. What a joke. What a joke. I love it. It's wrestling. Right. We can do whatever we want as long as people are entertained and believe uh, uh, believe it enough to buy a ticket. That's yeah. the point. Wrestling is subjective. It doesn't need to be yeah, a it, certain well, specific and, way. And, and that's the thing. Listen, I started, like I said, I, I, in 1990. I just had my 29th anniversary in, in the business. Do I think a lot of the stuff that happens today is completely ridiculous? Absolutely. Do I secretly hate it? Absolutely. But if I'm going to thrive and dominate in 2019 – you have to realize things have changed. The business isn't the way it used to be. If you stay on that on that mindset, like, well, you know, you you got to be two hundred twenty pounds, and you got to be two hundred sixty pounds, you got to be this that nothing. It's just like hockey has changed, and everything has changed. It's not the same as it used to be. So, I have to think differently. Like I said, do I agree with all of it? No. Do I understand that things have changed? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's why you know, twenty nine years later, I'm still in the top position uh, as one of the most, uh, 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 I don't know, well-known performers in the business and one of the most impactful. But do you, do you Because think I'm Chris smart enough to know that things have changed and either you change with it or you become a nostalgic dinosaur. I don't want to do that. Chris, do you think this is also because you're somebody who loves music and because you're a musician as well? Because if you're in, if you're in the music game, you're, you're, you need to constantly change. You need to constantly evolve with time Absolutely. and transition your sound. So do you think that plays a big part in it? It does. Like I mentioned, uh, David Bowie is a big influence of mine. Yep. Um, just because he always changed. The Beatles always changed their style and their sound. Guns N' Roses have done it. U2 has done it. Led Zeppelin. All the great bands that had longevity and diversity. Unless you're ACDC... You pretty much have to change and, and try different things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it yeah. doesn't. But you have to stay fresh. And I think, once again, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm AEW champions because I, I was able to stay fresh and evolve yeah. and change constantly. Uh, had I not been able to do that, I'd still be Y2J mm. and I'd be working you know, I don't know where I'd be working, but it wouldn't be on top in a major company because it's been there, done that. You've seen Y2J. Why don't you go back to Y2J and the countdown and yeah, put yeah. a top knot? It's like, no, that, that was a great <laughs> thing to do in 2000, but that was 20 years ago now. And I think I Chris, have to move forward. I think, Chris, that a lot of people tread water for too long as well. Now, like, I think a lot of performers yeah. tread water for too long and stay. You talk about the Beatles there. The Beatles evolved their sound so much in the span of like six, seven years. It was like six, they seven did. years, and they went through completely different looks, completely That's different sounds, when, when and that I, small span was, of time. Uh, in WWE, uh, when I first started, I noticed that they would put out an action figure every time you had a different <laughs> costume, different you the, tights. You had a different pair of tights every week. That's why I did it, because <laughs> they made, a, they made a, a doll out of it, action <laughs> figure, so there was more revenue. And then I started thinking, if I'm on TV... 52 weeks a year, every year, and I look the same and dress the same, it's going to get pretty boring. Right. So let me do something different every week, different hairstyle, different facial hair, different costume, because at least then it's something that, that changes from a weekly basis. Because if not, you're the same guy with the same costume, with the same look, yeah. doing the same moves, having the same matches. What's the point of watching? So I, I tried to always keep things relevant and change things up, like the Judas effect. You try a new finish. Do something that 
you add to your overall performance because now it's something new and fresh and different. And when you do it, it, it it's a different color to paint your uh, pictures with. I I love your I love that you've got your long hair back because I must admit. I didn't like when you looked at Gordon Ramsay. That was my, my, all my all the years as a Jericho fan when we were walking about with that hair like that. That was the only time I was in a Jericho fan. Now that you've got the I long got hair back, yeah, yeah, you've yeah, got the I long hair long back. Before. You're back to being cool again. And uh, do you think this is are you at the part of your career? Is this one of the most exciting parts of your career, Chris? Absolutely. Yes. I think the last three years have been one of the most exciting because in 2015, I only worked WWE live events i didn't do any tv i wasn't interested i said i did i think 60 live events was that when you had the and kind of house show contract you had a contract house, the house show shows, contract. right yeah. yeah i was in glasgow i remember i did a, a tour of the uk and right. um 16 i came back for a three-month period and, and I, I connected with kevin owens and it was so much fun that i stayed for about a year and a half and then i left again then i started the japanese thing and that was a whole new world and now with AEW. I think the last three years have been maybe the three best of my career as far as match quality, uh, ticket sales for sure. As a draw, this is probably the biggest time of my career because I basically, I guess I, I, I expanded and started. I mean, I expanded New Japan's business when I did the thing with Kenny Omega, Naito, and Okada. And then basically helped start a whole other company that might not have gotten the chances that they got right out of the gate if Jericho yeah. wasn't involved. And I'm talking about getting the TNT deal. And all that sort of stuff. So I think that um, it's been a lot of fun. And like I said, now doing something that I've never done before. I could have went back to the WWE. And Did Don Callis ever chance. ask you to go to Impact? Did he ever get you? I know you and him are tight. Was it ever I that? I, ta- I, ta- I talked about going to Impact. Uh, it's just, you know, AEW was, was a better opportunity. Of course. I also talked about going back to WWE. And, and Vince basically said, you know, the offer you have from AEW is... It's too good not to take. Go take it. Oh, I did he, he say that? I say I that. Did. But um, you know, I could have went back to WWE and just been Chris Jericho, and sometimes him in the first match, sometimes in the last match, and have yeah. some fun. And do you still Snapchat stuff. him? Do you still WhatsApp him? Do you still do you still keep in contact with Vince? I keep, no, nah. once in a while, but not now. Never not the, 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 Does he call you a wanker or like that? No, nah, doesn't prior, nah. prior, prior to August 2nd, we still text uh, back and forth quite right. a bit. And talk so it's stopped now. It's different now. I mean, obviously, I work for a different company. So yeah. so um, do you do you talk do you talk to me more than you talk to Vince McMahon? Yes. Right, that's good to know. <laughs> so they are. I talk to you, I talk to you. Chris, I have to ask you, you do so much stuff. How do you find the time to do all this stuff? I'm not as busy as people think, but I, I, I pick the things that have the maximum impact. Yeah. So I just got asked today, will you do press for this city? I'm like, well, tell me what the press is and I'll consider it. Like, let me see what you have. Wrestling and if it's something big, I'll do it. If not, then you can get somebody else to do it. So that's kind of where it lies. Um, also, too, and, and Greta will know this, when you and you know it, too, being a comedian, when you have a show – your show doesn't start till eight or nine o'clock. You got to get there at two or three. You're just yep. sitting around for hours on end. Yeah. That's when I do a lot of podcast stuff. That's when I work on the cruise or when I have a book that I'm writing, I do it then. So it's more about maximizing my time yeah. uh, and making things count than just sitting around and doing nothing, which is very easy to do, especially when you're in wrestling, when you got to get to the arena at two o'clock, you go sit in catering for a while. You go fuck around over here. You look and, at and your it's, phone. And it's fucking and then, dangerous. It's fucking dangerous as well when you've got lots dangerous. of, you know. It's very dangerous. So that's when I do a lot of this work that you see me doing. It's not taking extra days out of yeah. my life. Uh, it's just maximizing the time that I have. Chris, I want to ask you something about comedy. Because like you say, I'm a comedy guy. 
When I, when I first became aware of you back when you were in WCW, right, when I first became aware, the reason why I became aware of you was because there's this incredibly talented wrestler, right, who is also the funniest fucking guy on TV right now. The funniest guy on TV. Thank the you. stuff you were doing. And you have, for your entire career, you, you, you've been able to get comedy. And, and there's very few wrestlers, I think. Let me give you an example. Quite often you see a lot of wrestlers getting criticised these days for... You know, they get they get given kind of comedy promos today and they don't deliver it well and it kind of falls flat. But I think I think a lot of that time it isn't so much about the writing, it's about that I natural mean, ability. Yeah, that natural yeah. ability to sell a comedy angle or some comedy skit. Some, some people just can't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. But you've always been... Why? What is your connection with comedy here? Have you, uh, do you love comedy? Have you been... Were, were you into comedy when you were young? Because you seem to have just this natural... Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my parents were funny. I grew up in Canada, so it's all the CBC, which is BBC comedies yeah. like uh, Faulty Towers and oh, Monty Python and Black Adder. So Canadian humor is a little bit weird for the people in the States as well. Um, and also, too, you have an innate ability. It's a natural ability. And then also I studied with the Groundlings for a few, for a few years, right. which is a very famous improv comedy yeah. troupe in L.A. And I learned a lot. Um, some that I already knew, some that I didn't. Don't try and be funny. If you try and be funny, it never works. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it just is, and um, it's just, I guess, a natural ability. Uh, we're working on something now for AEW that I think if we play it straight, is going to be super hilarious. Uh, and it's just something that popped in my head. So things just kind of come into my head. And whenever I have to write some kind of comedy stuff, if it doesn't come within 30 seconds, then I move on to something else. Because yeah. either the joke is there for me or it's not. When you try and overthink it and spend too much time with it, it doesn't happen. And, it, it's, a, and it's an underrated thing in wrestling, I think, comedy. Yeah. You know, I think it's yeah, underrated because I remember... a lot of guys and, and putting them in positions where they're not actors and they're not comedians. Yeah. And that's why you should you can't write scripts. Let the guys who are funny be naturally funny and do it their own way. And let the guys that want to be serious be serious. Let the guys that want to be quiet be quiet. Bottom line is you have to figure out what your character is to get over and connect with the audience. If you can't do that, you'll never get over. If you can't figure it out for yourself, no one's ever going to figure it out for you. They can help you. They can work together with you. But if you don't know inside what your character is and how to connect with the crowd, nobody can ever write that for you. And you see it every single week in pro wrestling before we wrap up Chris do you have any advice just a bit of advice for both of you do you have any advice for Grado where he should go next in his career what what he should focus on well I saw Grado uh, dancing and singing in a a play and it was amazing Uh, that was one of my favorite things where you're dancing around like a cunt with your little (laughs) we are putting on a show and we're very very happy to be here so what you're telling me is I should stick to that so you should get into wrestling (laughs) no I mean the thing thing is with wrestling now and you know this it's about personality and charisma there's so many places to work I think uh, when you're ready to to come back to the states to give it a full time shot there's a lot of places that you can go because like you said I'd never heard uh, I'd never seen you I just heard the name Grado this Grado that and then when I saw your stuff I'm like oh this guy's great yeah. I've never even seen one of your matches I don't know if I want to see no you don't no, no don't, you don't don't don't, don't, don't. don't. fucking don't and some advice for me Chris I know you've got twin daughters my twin daughters are arriving in December there I've got twin oh, daughters wow. coming in December well, do you have any advice father to father say goodbye to sleep for a while <laughs> and just know whenever you're on the road working yeah that's not work for you because when you come home your wife doesn't want to hear it so <laughs> i would go on the road to work and then come home and really work yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's the best thing my daughters are 13 now and 
having twins is a blessing. It's totally scary. The first couple of years to be going, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. But overall, it's one of the best things that can ever happen. Beautiful. I can't uh, wait, man. Listen, Chris, thanks so much for coming uh, on oh, our thanks, first guys. episode. Thanks, uh, guys. Pleasure, and I'll, I'll be happy to come back anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And, uh, Grado, next time you get drunk, send me more videos, and I'll put them all in my blackmail file. <laughs> and one day I'm going to TMZ to expose you to the world. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye, 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 Chris. Thank thanks, you. Fellas. Cheers, pal. Thank you. Well, there you go. There was our interview with a bold Chris Jericho. What a sweetheart, by the way. What a man. What a guy. That couldn't have went any better I for couldn't me. Have went any... What a sweetheart. What, what a, a good start to the show. Sweet. Hopefully Jericho tells all his muckers in the, the AEW locker room, no, go and be Rabin Grado, man. Yeah. Sitting in a wee laugh, because he just texted me there saying that was a, this is a, that safe, was a lot of fun. This is a safe place for these to come and chat, boys. But oh, thank you, Chris Jericho, for that. Listen, Grado, are you working this weekend? Are you get um, something coming up? PBW in Airdrie. So if you want to come along to that, but I don't know who I'm wrestling. <laughs> so just... Liam oh, brilliant! The bad boy. The Looking Liam forward Thomas. to that. Liam had a had an injury there, a back injury, and he was out for quite a while. And it's great to see him back. He is a guy that I watched when I was young, uh, when 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 BCW went to Kilmarnock, and he was one of these guys that I watched right, and I'd go, he's a scary, scary guy. And I'd, and when I when I, when I managed to to get into BCW, I was weary him. I was like, oh, this guy's like intimidating, scary, like. Uh, the nicest, the nicest guy. funniest guy, the nicest guy ever. And that just goes to show how much a good villain he is because he made me believe that, that he was a wee dick. And, uh, well, I mean, that's it. No, that's it. That's the end of the show. But before we go, you've got a wee bit of homework. What's that? I like to get a wee bit of homework. The one to watch. Ooh. I like, I think we should give out to people a wrestling match that they should watch. And particularly because we want to talk, we want fans to Skype in and talk to us. Mm-hmm. And if you Skype in, if you want in the next episode, I'm going to expect you to have watched this match, right? And this is one of my favourite matches of all time. It's Magnum TA mm-hmm. versus Tully Blanchard. In right? a cage? I quit. In a cage. Starcade 85. It's one of the best wrestling matches ever. A lot of people out there who are only wrestling fans as well, I want you to find it as well. Watch that match because that, that explains a lot of what great wrestling is, great storytelling is in wrestling. What a match that is. Hi, if you're not a wrestling fan and you're getting, and you're listening to this podcast just because you're a Burnison fan or whatever, give that a go and come back and see what you think if there's anybody out there. But I don't know if there's going to be many, is there? Well, maybe we'll talk we'll to you next week. Maybe we'll talk to you next week we'll about it. it but, maybe. but listen, Grado, what an episode. What an episode. We launched. We came firing right out of the gates. We chatted with Chris Jericho about what's going on in the wrestling scene today. You know? And he was he was the sweetest guy, wasn't he? He was and such he was, a nice he guy. He was kicking back in his hotel room and he looked like a guy. He looked like the cat that got the cream, didn't he? Oh, he looked like he was on top of the world. So he's in some neck. He's and in he some is. neck. And he is. And to, I mean, to be to be that guy, to have had that long, illustrious career, and to still be the name on everybody's tongues is just incredible. And having the time to talk, talk to us, talk to a couple of assholes like us, man. A couple of assholes like us. Couple assholes like us. Anyway, unbelievable. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Daft, everybody. We need you back here every week. We need you back here listening. We need you to tell your friends about it because this is the best wrestling podcast that there has ever been. The greatest. We'll take his own. We'll kill everybody. We'll kill everybody. Up the road. Listen, don't, do not take that word off your tongue. No, you, no, don't, don't, don't use your catchphrases. Catch right, okay. right. right, okay. It's yourself! Oh, get turn it off! It's yourself! Fucking turn that off! This is 4Network.